Okay, good morning. Um, it's great to be, it's a real privilege to be doing a couple of these sessions on this frontline material. It's, uh, I think it's amazing material that's come together and it's a real step on from what we looked at before. Um, and it would be, I'd describe it as if my, you're my mastermind chosen subject, this would be it. I did my MA dissertation on work in the spirit um, and part of study in theology came to learn as work, as worship. And I'll talk a bit more about that I'm going to do next week as well. And I'll talk a bit more about uh, workers' worship. But this week we're thinking about place. We're thinking about where am I? Where do you go? And we're going to look uh, at this passage. But first of all, let's pray and then we'll move in. So Lord, I pray that you would speak with us this morning. I pray for myself as I stand here that in the power of your spirit I would speak what's on your heart for us to hear. And that we would go from here aware of your presence in our workplaces, in our life places, in our leisure, in our communities, in our education. So we pray you would speak with us now this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at this passage, uh, uh, Genesis 28. Where are we going to read it? I've just realized. Shall I read it? I'll read it from there. So Genesis 28. I better read it from the same Bible. Actually, I can read it from this one. It should be the same. So 28, we're reading uh, verses 10 through to 22. So Jacob's a dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me I will give you a tenth. So we're looking here at this passage, so, so Jacob is, is on a journey, and we'll think about that journey in a moment. 
I'm just going to put up, so shortly, we're going to, well, towards the end of the talk, we're going to hand out these postcards. And they've got a slide with these on. Um, they're to help us, and they're just for ourselves, so when we come to it, we're going to write down. Um, it talks about presence, pressure, and purpose. And we're going to think about those terms and think about this, this, this story, this account of Jacob's journey in those, in those terms, presence, pressure, and purpose. And I'm going to start with pressure. So many of us will know these accounts. This story starts, uh, Jacob is, is, is on the run. Um, he's actually stolen his brother's birthright and then he has deceived his father to steal his, his blessing and his brother now wants to kill him. So his, his mother sent him on his way to go and find a wife. So he's coming from a pretty pressured place. Um, it's, it's been a pretty tough time. And he's now on the run, and he's heading, if we know the story, it gets even worse because he then goes and works for seven years for the wrong wife and then another seven years for the right wife. So it's a pretty tough place he's on, but he's just traveling. He's just going from one place to another. And we can tell it's particularly tough because, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't normally choose a stone as a pillow. So, you know, it's sort of like, this isn't, this isn't the height of comfort. He's not in a fine hotel. Um, he is on, on the go. And in that unexpected place, he meets with God. He finds himself in, as I say on that card, the presence of God. And it says in there, as we just read, it says, you know, I am the God of your father Abraham. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you wherever you go. And I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. So there he is, he sees God there, he finds God in this place. And looking at this passage, it, it struck me that I think as we, as we have been Christians for longer, we become a bit flippant about God's presence. Because someone says, oh, you know, where's God? And we say, oh, everywhere, wouldn't we? You know, that's the good stock term. Well, if we really believe God is everywhere, <clears throat> why do, and I speak for myself, why do we ignore him most of the time? Because that's the irony, isn't it? Actually, we say God's everywhere, and then most of the time we just get on with our lives. And that's a real challenge. I've been really challenged by that this week, uh, thinking about that. This, you know, we, 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 we've got that. But this is a real important moment. You know, Jacob highlights this moment. It's significant for him. He marks the spot. And I look back at the place I first met God. I can take you to the place in the field where I first met God. I went there a few years back, and I could walk to roughly the place within about 10 meters of I know I met God. But can we tell you where we met God yesterday or the day before? And, and so there's a real challenge, I think, in this that you know, Jacob highlights for us, that actually it's a really significant moment when we meet him. But for him, it's just a place on a difficult journey, but God is there. And, and then secondly, of course, he, he has purpose. God speaks purpose into the situation. He's very, very clear. It's purpose to Jacob on his journey. Jacob is heading. He's just been told his, his offspring are going to bless the whole earth. He's not even married. But actually, he is heading to find a wife. He is heading. And, of course, the story uh, continues on. It just, it just keeps on going. So, so the truth of this story is that actually Jacob is trying to talk to, to tell us, actually explain how we can meet God in these places. He's highlighting this is a, an experience that we can all have. We can all meet God in different places. 
whether that be the unexpected, whether it be on our front lines, in our work, or our study. And that's the real subject today. And Jacob doesn't tell that story uh, to boast. He doesn't tell that story to say, well, this happened to me, why doesn't it happen to you? No, Jacob tells us that story so that we might think, well, actually, is that the sort of thing that happens to me? Where do I meet God when I'm on this journey, when I'm on this way? Um, where would we go? So in that same vein, I actually would like to tell you a story. I'd like to tell you a story a bit from part of my journey of meeting God in an unexpected place in the workplace um, at a conference I was at. Um, and I, I would say it would be a great story if it wasn't 15 years old. That's the embarrassing part about it, but it is uh, significant and it's something I remember very strongly. So if you know me, I've, I've worked in aviation for 36 years now. That's a pretty pressurized environment. Uh, you know aeroplanes are supposed to leave on time. I say supposed to. Um, and, and that's the sort of environment we're in. I worked for many years uh, on call as an engineer, having to decide whether aircraft was safe to fly even when I couldn't see them and I'd just woken up. But that was, that was my job. And I, but I moved on from that into the safety field after a very near accident. And this is the, the context which I was in. I was then working in safety, in risk, and... Um, Again, it was a pressured situation because having come into that, I'd identified what uh, was not working and myself and others found ourselves regularly at conferences going, well, hang on a minute, this isn't right. Yeah, we used to do it this way because that's what it was like, but now the world has changed, we need to do it differently. And, and that, I often find myself in that situation is actually being that reflection in, do you know what? We need to move on. We need to change. The world has changed around us, and we haven't. So it's a pretty difficult situation because we found ourselves uh, having to say these things uh, to a lot of people who've done things that way for a long time. So it's a sort of pressure situation. Um, and, 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 yeah, so we were literally trying to change the definition of risk. What did I understand risk? Uh, and myself and a, and a colleague from Finland that we used to meet regularly on the conference circuit were saying the same things. Uh, we, we joined together in the end to put it right. And I'll maybe talk a little bit more about that next week. Actually, we just got on and did this thing. And now those consequences are global. They are in every continent. Um, and that is, you know, that progress has happened. But in this situation I'll talk about today is actually we'd come to this conference to, to say these things. Uh, and it was a pressured situation. I was going into meetings where I was going to have to, you know, upset people in a way. It was also a pressured place. I was in a city called Atlantic City. Does anybody know Atlantic City? No? Stay as you are, I would say. Um, basically, it's on the uh, east coast of the USA. And if you imagine Las Vegas and you put it on the beach, that's Atlantic City. So it is the gambling center of the east coast of the US. Uh, I'd never been there before, but it's my, my first trip to there. I knew roughly what I was going in for because I'd looked ahead. Um, and to sum it up, the conference was in the Trump Taj Mahal Casino Resort. So if you can imagine, I was going to, I, I Googled it this morning, I didn't get a picture, but if you can imagine, you know, sort of tacky and then double it, that's roughly what we're in. So yes, Donald Trump himself, before he was president, he just used to run hotels then, um, and that's where it was. So it's a pretty pressured place. This is not the place I'm expected to meet God. Let's put it like that. But the morning before I went, I'd been preaching. I'd been preaching in church, preaching on hearing God and doing what he asked. And I literally that afternoon flew to Atlantic City and I said to them, I said, well, you can pray for me because who knows what God might ask me to do in the next week. 
But keeping on with the story, so that night when I arrived, I went to bed, and just as I was going to bed, I just prayed, Lord, is there anything I should do here? And I just had this, uh, that I was going to meet a lady in Denim on the beach. So I got the hotel pad and a pen, and I just wrote down, lady in Denim beach, and then went to bed. Not really thought much more about it. Four o'clock in the morning, bing, jet lag cuts in, I'm awake, everybody else is asleep, what am I going to do now? Ah, well, maybe I'll go for a walk. So I set out from the hotel, and this is an experience of leaving a hotel at 4 o'clock and 4.30 in the morning. You can't leave the hotel without going through the casino. It's very cleverly designed, so you have to pass through the casino. But 4.30 in the morning, what I experienced there was a poverty of spirit that I have never experienced on the same level, and I've written about it a bit. Actually, the idea that this entertainment had led these people to just throw life away. I mean, there were people sitting there, they didn't know whether it was 1 o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon or, you know, breakfast. They had no idea because they were just there putting money in machines, putting money on table. Uh, So it's a real poverty of spirit. But anyway, so this is the environment I'm in. And I set off and I go for a walk uh, along the beach. Walk down the beach, sun's just starting to come up. uh, And after I walked for about, for for quite a while, I thought, I better go back now. Better head back, walked out of town. And I turned to return back to the hotel. And as I turned... The spirit says, behind you. It's behind me. So I turned round, and there at the top of the beach, the first people I'd seen all morning was a lady in a long denim skirt and a chap with her. And that's the point where you go, well, okay, God, I could either, that's really interesting, and go home, or I can engage with this. Um, And I confess I don't always engage with it, but this time I did. So, So I went and started to talk to these people. And as I walked towards them, I said, Lord, is there anything you want for these people? What is there for them? And all I have is the word safe. So as I join and start this conversation with them, I just thought, I'm going to have to get safe into this conversation somehow. How am I going to do that? So in the end, I said to her, and I just I said, oh, it feels really safe down here on the beach. And this lady turned and looked at me, and she said, yes, safe down here. And it was at that moment I just realized God was there. There was just a sense that there's just been this communication to this lady that was, this is what you needed to hear at this moment. And it was just like an electrifying moment. The chap didn't really say very much. He was very, very agitated. He, he just walked along. We walked, started walking back to the beach, um, along the beach back towards my hotel. And then this chap was very sort of anxious, and then he said something to her. And then he rushed off. And as he went away, I said, you know, what's going on? And she said, oh, he's my boyfriend. And he's run up big gambling debts. He's just, he's just going off to meet those he owes the money to. And of course, she didn't go. She stayed with me on the beach. Um, so I never know. I never know what happened. But anyway, we carried on this walk. Um, she was a blues singer from Memphis. She was singing. She goes, you know this song? And she's there singing Aretha Franklin songs to me at 7 o'clock in the morning <coughs> on Atlantic City Beach. <coughs> At that point, we got back to the hotel and I said, well, I've got to go back in now. And I would describe it as a, it's a sort of scrape me off the ceiling moment. It's a bit of a weird term, but when you find yourself, you realize, just as Jacob does, surely God was in this place. Surely God was here. And I'd been there and I experienced there and I was just floating, really, in a way. And I went back into a pressured situation thinking, well, God's here, wow. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't mine to worry about what happened to her from that moment onwards. 
I'd done all that God had asked, and, and that's that. And it was just God in the unexpected. It was a journey. I was just on a journey. I was just passing through this place to do my work, and I was just passing along this beach to, to keep myself from sitting in my room, uh, staying awake. But God was there. God was there in that place, and he had a purpose. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, do, I, I think sometimes we, we've allowed religion to sort of kidnap God, to try and swallow him and keep him in, in church and for ourselves. But actually, the Bible teaches God is the God of the world. God is out in the world. He's in the marketplace. He's in these places. And that is and should be our experience, a God of life, uh, all aspects. God is there. And God is in those pressurized places. He's, he's present, he's active, and he's asking us to participate. So what I'm going to do is we're going to hand these out. Okay, so hand these out with some pens. They're, they're for, for you, they're not for us to share, you know. They're for you to think about your front lines, the places you are, and to think about the pressure you're in, to think about where you seek the presence of God and what God's purpose might be. So I'm going to hand those out. And just while we do that, I just want to share a more generalized side of, of meeting God in the workplace for myself. As I say, 36 years, I spent a lot of time on aeroplanes, uh, both working on aeroplanes, traveling for work, traveling for, for, for pleasure as well, um, and, and in a sense, I was born about a mile from the airport, so I found myself back where I was born. <coughs> but I found that on aeroplanes is where I meet God often. And I always say that actually, that's why I know heaven's up there, because when I'm at 30,000 feet, I feel much closer to God. Um, uh, and, you know, over my career, that's caused some embarrassing moments as the cabin crew have come past, and there's tears streaming down my face, and my t shirt's wet. And they think, oh, is he scared of flying? No, I'm just having a God moment, sorry. Um, And and that sort of experience. So that is the unexpected place, but a place that I started to expect to meet God. Uh, And it still happens. A few weeks ago, I don't fly very much, but a few weeks ago we went to to Edinburgh. And it's interesting, actually, when I opened my Bible, I realized that was the bookmark I had was my boarding card um, from that flight. And it was a few weeks before I was giving the gather message. And... I knew I had to prepare it, but I hadn't really thought about it. I got on the aeroplane, and I read the passage, and then I couldn't type fast enough on my phone. Alice said, I didn't realize you could type that fast. And I said, I wish I could type faster. Because actually, I just had to take that message and just write it down. That was an hour's flight. Got off the flight. Didn't think about it for four days. Coming back, 7 a.m. in the morning, I get on the aeroplane, and it starts again. And I just have to type as fast as I can to get that message. It was a unique experience for me. I've never experienced it before. But actually, I had an expectation of meeting God in that place, an expectation that God would speak with me in that location. And that was my experience. So what about you? What about all of us? What's our work like? What's our home like? What's our life outside of church community like? What are the pressures? What are the tensions in there? And where within that daily life do you expect to meet God? Where are the places that you are looking for the presence of God? That maybe you haven't thought to look for him, but maybe you should, maybe you could. And when you become aware of his presence, what do you think are the purposes that he's calling you to.
So what we can do is we can have a bit of music now, just a chance to, to pray and to, to write something down on those cards. And then I'll hand back over to Alice.